0: As we get started, this this morning, Mother's Day, is honestly and sincerely, I don't overstate this, this is genuine from my heart, Mother's Day is one of my favorite Hallmark holidays. It's actually one of my favorite holidays of the year. Why? This is so means so much to me is my mother played a very... Crucial role in my development as to who I am, not only physically, but spiritually, she and emotionally. She has really, um, my mom was one of those people who from early on didn't always know how to communicate this book, didn't even always know what this book had in it, the Bible, and, and all she knew to do was pray and pray her guts out. So I remember her, she tells stories, and I used to see her a lot praying uh, for me when I was a little guy, and she used to specifically pray for my wife one day. And so I believe I've got a great marriage and a great wife today. A lot of it's because of a mom who played a key role in my life. Along with that, I absolutely love, I love, I've I've got a beautiful wife. We're kind of matching today. If some of you saw that, Um, we didn't try it, I promise. Uh, But Tanya's sitting down here and I love watching my wife now, a wife, mother of four. Uh, She does a phenomenal job mothering and I love seeing her wings spread and, and her gifts in the home. And as she just pours life into our children and I see them kind of spread their wings and become who they are because of the role that she plays. So it's one of my favorite holidays. With that said, though, I also understand that this is a hard day uh, for some sitting here. Uh, my, mo- my wife would be in this category. Some of you have come from homes where mom was not real nurturing, not real supportive, and maybe sometimes abusive, neglecting, etc. And that has left its mark. And some of you hurt deeply when this day comes around. Others of you, um, maybe you're a female here and you're sitting here going, man, I would kill to have kids, but I can't. Whatever, for whatever reason, my body, I just can't get pregnant and it doesn't work. And so for you this day, also, as we stand and celebrate and go wild, you're sitting there probably with a hole in your heart that's saying, man, (laughs) this hurts. So one of the things I want to just say is this morning, we're going to give hope to all sides and encouragement to all sides as we celebrate women. One of the things I'd say about that pain that you may experience, it's normal. God wired you. And we're going to look at a verse this morning to have children. And when it breaks down, it leaves a hole. God also wired you to be mothered. And when that breaks down, it leaves a mark, a significant mark. And so that's normal. And so, again, this morning, we hope that you walk out uh, here just celebrating and honoring who God is as as representing a mom to you. Here's a big idea this morning. Women. Without women, we would not have a complete picture of who God is. The ladies sitting around you. If they did not exist, if God did not wire them to be women, we would not fully understand him and who he is. Turn with me to Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one. If you're not familiar with the Bible, you're brand new to church, maybe, or or you're brand new to Christianity. And uh, this is an easy one to find. You you picked a good morning to be here. Um, It's right at the very beginning. I mean, probably first or second page of where your Bible starts. Genesis chapter one. We're going to look at verse 27. Now we have a series coming up in the summer where we're going to talk at depth about Genesis one, two, and three, and just talk about the reality of the foundation of who man is and who God is, and just kind of kick something around. We're going to give you a little taste of that this morning. Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-seven. It starts out and reads this way. This is the picture. Now, God has created the world. God's put everything in it. He's made this gorgeous uh, rock that spins around the sun, and he filled it with life, and he filled it with, and he says, let's put man now together. So, verse 27, so God created man in his own what? In his own image. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now, this is very important. Male and female, he created them. Male and female in the image of God. Now, what does the image of God mean? I mean, we throw this one around. If you're familiar with the church, you maybe heard this. If you're not, here's what the image of God means. Uh, kind of look at it this way. If uh, you walk into my office, you're going to see some pictures sitting around. And those pictures would be what? They'd be images, right? Now, if you see a picture of my... I have, I have my children there lined up on top of one of my bookshelves. And you look at Luke. You see a capture picture of my oldest son, Luke. He is it. You look at the bookshelf. You see an image of him. It's not really Luke, right? You guys know that. You walk in and hopefully Luke's not sitting on top of my bookshelf. I mean, I guess he could if he wanted to, but... It might be a lot of fun, but you walk in, you see a picture of Luke. It's a representation of Luke. So when throughout my week, as I look at that picture, I'm reminded of who Luke is and that I have a son. God did that same thing with human beings. He stamped on every single one of you his picture, who he is. So when we look in at man, we look in at woman. When we look at one another, we can see a resemblance of some sort of who God is. Now, so this is true of you. If you're here this morning, you say, I'm in love with Jesus. I love God. Or if you're here this morning and say, you know what, I'm not so sure. You might be here this morning and say, I'm an atheist. It's still true of you. You have the image of God stamped on you. You represent him. Now, the cool thing is, when you look at this, who has the image of God? Is it man or is it woman? or both. It's both, right? It says, in the image, he created them. Male and female, he's put them together in the image of God. He blessed them. Look at verse 28 now. Before we jump there, let me ask this question. So is God a man or is God a woman? Have you ever thought about this? I heard one of you just say yes. (laughs) He's both, right? Now, see, some of us naturally think we call God, God, the father. Even if you haven't been around church, you've probably heard God referenced to as a father. We don't ever call him a mother, and the scriptures never reference him as a mother, so we think, well, he's a man. We also understand that in the early parts of our Bible, especially in the Hebrew, which is what our Bible was originally written in, when they use a pronoun for God, they use the he. He shows up all the time. It's specifically referring to a man. So some of us kind of walk away thinking, well, God is a man. But here's the deal He's also female and has got feminine attributes. And when the two come together, they form a complete picture of who he is. Look at verse 28. This is to show you how this works. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, this is to Adam and Eve, to man and to woman, be fruitful. The very first command in the Bible, be fruitful. So for those of you this morning, let's this be real honest, and increase the in number. If you're here this morning and you are not able to have children and it's left a hole in your heart, you know what? It's, that pain is very normal. God wired and designed the female body, especially to carry and birth children. Part of his original plan was to have kids. And when that breaks down, it hurts. And it does break. We live in a sinful world, a broken world, and it breaks down. So the first design is to be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now look over chapter 2, verse 24. One of the beautiful things that I love, actually look at verse 23 of chapter 2. God created man and God created woman. It's the very last act of his creation, the very last thing he did. But the very last of man and woman that he created, he created the woman last. One of the things I love, guys, (laughs) the wife that you're married to, if you're here married this morning, or if you're not, and you're, you're attracted to a female, it's cool. The woman is the most beautiful of all of God's creation. It's the last thing he put together. She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. Adam, verse 23, sees Eve when, she's, when he first beholds her. And this, in the Hebrew language here, if, if, if um, the scholars, again, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but what I read, and understand, he breaks into song. It says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Like, whoa, man. I mean, look at this. This is beautiful. She's taken out of man. Now, verse 24, for this reason, a man and a woman will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become what? One flesh. Now, some of us automatically think, "Well, let's have sex." Yeah, that's the beauty of marriage, right? We get to have sex. No. Sure. Yes, that's true. You do. But, but the real reality of this, this one flesh is not just have sex. This is a beautiful picture of a man and a woman coming together to become one. So when God looks down and he sees Adam and he sees Tanya, my not, not Adam from here in the Bible, but Adam and my wife, Tanya, he looks down because we're married. We've been joined as one. So he looks down and he sees Adam and Tanya, but he sees one flesh. Now, the man and his wife were both naked. So this is, the, this is before sin entered the world and felt no shame. It's a beautiful thing, a gorgeous thing that exists between them. See, here's how this has been designed to happen. God's wired us in his image. He's created woman. He's created man. He says, now come together. You become one flesh and you have children. What happens then, because that one flesh is now my, my children look in at me. And your children look in at you and hopefully what they're seeing then is instead of just seeing a man, instead of just seeing a woman, they see us come together in in the maleness and the femaleness comes together to fully represent God. His original plan was from the beginning was to represent himself, to spread his name and his glory and who he is throughout the entire world by a child looking to their mom and their dad and saying, wow, that's who God is. So the way I say it is often to the degree that the home breaks down, God breaks down. So to the degree that that, that thing doesn't work, so to the degree that we're not coming together as one or to the degree that maybe divorce happens or death happens or, or anything else, the degree that the home begins to fall apart, what happens is God begins to break down. So when the child looks in, they, don't, they, they struggle at times to grasp and see the beautiful picture of who God is. So one of the joys is God understands that sin has happened and to one degree or another, all of our homes break down, all of them. None of us are perfect. So the church steps in. This is some of you know, this we've been just came finished up a series. If you weren't with us, we finished up a series talking about kind of what we value and who we are as a church. One of the things we say is we value service. And under that, here's how we say it. We are contributors. We don't just consume. We're here to contribute and put others ahead of ourselves. We use our gifts to sacrificially serve our guests and neighbors, especially, and this is one of the hallmarks that separates Bethany from not make us right and others wrong, but it's just, it's who we are, especially those who are disconnected. Disconnected from family. What do I mean by disconnected from family? All of us, one degree or another, probably experienced some of that. Maybe it's more on a mild level where dad just worked a lot, or mom was a little disconnected, meaning emotionally, or it runs to the extreme of divorce or separation or abuse or neglect or full blown abandonment. And so we're saying as a church, we're here to walk alongside of. As families, especially people, have been disconnected because we understand that when the home breaks down, our image and view of God breaks down. So, what i going to do this morning won't take long. I just want to go through a couple verses. I want to draw attention, especially to the, since it's Mother's Day, to women. I want to help us honor and celebrate the feminine traits that they possess that reflect who God is. And I want to encourage us to look to, if you say, well, I've been hurt by my mom. Well, then look to God to be that complete mom that your mom wasn't. And I also want to challenge us in men and women here to do this oneness well and really just celebrate who women are. some of the verses that God describes himself as a woman. First one i would draw attention to is Isaiah chapter 66. It says this, for this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried. Now, guys, last time I checked, that's something we can't do, right? Now, today we can. We got a bottle and all that other good stuff. But I can't nurse. I mean, my kids. Nursing carried on her arm and dandled. On her knees as a mother, this is describing God now, referring to him as a mother comforts her child. So will I comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. You know, one of the cool things a mom does that's that's uniquely feminine that men, we just can't do. And it's is a representation of who God is, is he nurses and he comforts. Isn't that cool? So if you're here this morning, you see, you know, I didn't have a mom or my mom was really disconnected from me. One of the cool things is, is look to God to fulfill that role of comfort, of nursing, of caring for. You know, I remember so well... <laughs> I could go a lot of stories on this one, uh, but the difference in uniqueness between a husband and a wife and a man and a woman. I remember Luke, when we were moving, our oldest is 10 years old. Now we were moving from Mifflin County to Charlotte, North Carolina. Luke was five years old and, and our house was completely emptied. We had hardwood floors throughout the entire place and the moving van and truck was loaded and we're ready to go. We left the mattresses in the, in the place to sleep on that night. And it's all we had to get out of the house yet. And we're out of here. And we're in the bathroom, Tanya and I are in the bathroom, just finishing up, getting ready for our trip. And all of a sudden, we hear this scream. I mean, it's just this blood-curdling scream somewhere in the house. And the next thing I know is I open the door up, and there is my son, Luke, standing at the, at the bathroom door, just blood coming out all over the place. I mean, it's like, whoa. Now... I'm a man keep in mind, (laughs) I shift into what's the problem. How can I fix it? What did you do wrong? What do we need to correct? What do we? And and Tanya just kind of like pushes me aside and she shifts into nurse and comfort mode. Her first instinct was swoop in and what hug, pull close, nurture, care for comfort. Now, does it mean I'm wrong? No, I'm a man. Some of you question that, right? (laughs) You now know I'm officially a man. She's a woman. And when we come together, it forms a beautiful picture of who God is, but it's a feminine trait. So if your mom comforts, now the cool thing was I said to her later, I I, kind of tried to learn from it because I want to be more comforting the best I can. But she said, I knew as soon as I heard the cry that it was serious. How does a mom know that? It's a feminine, natural, born-in feminine trait, and it represents God. So if you're here this morning, you see, you know what? I I didn't have a good mom. She didn't comfort. Well, look to God to be that comfort for you. And if you're here this morning, you have a mom in your life, or you watch your wife, mother, or or you see a teenage daughter that you're encouraging, and you see these traits in them, say, way to go. It's God birthed, God ordained, God breathed, and it's a part of him stamped in you. So do it well, do it, do it with, don't apologize for it. Psalm 131, another one. My heart is not proud, Lord. This is a psalmist uh, writing this. My heart is not proud, so I'm not lifted up and um, I'm a humble person. Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I do not consider concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. Now here he's going to describe his relationship with God. I've calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its what? He's almost, he's saying, God, you're like a mother to me. I'm a weaned child to its mother. Like a weaned child, he goes on to describe it. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. You know one of the cool things about a mom? A mom helps us to grow up. One of my favorite things to do when I do premarriage counseling with couples when they come to me is I always like to watch from a distance and look, has the child left mom? Has the child been weaned? Because it's normal and healthy to wean a child. And when I see, when I see young men come who are still, like still attached to mom, I'm like, oh, you know what? Your mom didn't do a real good job of weaning. It's a beautiful trait, and women know how to nurture and how to help a child grow up. One of the things I've learned, too, is we as humans, we resist weaning. I watch my kids. They don't, why give up? Why be weaned? Isn't it great to have someone care for me 24-7 and change my diapers and just whenever I cry, they're there? But a child that is fully dependent on that is, is not a healthy child. They've got to break themselves of that. So we're going, yeah, amen. Hallelujah. But a but a feminine trait is to wean a child, to care for a child, and to help them grow up. It's a cool thing. It's a thing to celebrate. God does it for us. And again, if you see it in women around you, honor it and celebrate it. Isaiah chapter 49. Here's another one. Uh, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? So he asked this question. Now, most of us would say, absolutely not. But some of you say, well, I guess it could happen. So the writer goes on to say, though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are everywhere before me you know one of the cool things about a mom is they will not forget you and exhibit great compassion you know we go away on a trip now i love getting away i love it we have four kids and one of my favorite things to do is to get away either on a date night or go away for the week or a weekend when we get away we did it recently went on a spiritual retreat tanya and i did so went away for a week just to just to honestly sit and be quiet and not vacation but just sit and hear god and just it was a really cool week we're into the week maybe a day or two and tanya says to me should i call home and check in on the kids kids. I mean, we have kids. I mean, it's like I step away and I'm away. I forget them. I mean, all right, let's go. I got a wife here. I got God to meet with. I mean, what do we need kids for? And so again, but that's the maleness in me, but a female attribute is they always have their kids stamped on their heart. Always. It's a cool thing. So if you didn't have that in your mom, (laughs) my mom didn't always have me in her heart. She had herself and her man and whatever else in her heart, but she didn't have me. You can look to God and find that beautiful comfort that only he can give. It's a beautiful thing. It's a great attribute. And again, if you see it in the women around you, fan that flame and say, way to go. You're awesome. Hosea 13. Here's another one. This is a crazy one. This is one I almost left out, but I thought, you know what? We got to put this in this one. This is a good one. But I have been the Lord, your God, ever since you came out of Egypt. Talking about the nation of Israel who kind of came out of Egypt. Some of you know the story. Uh, you shall acknowledge no God, but me. No savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness. So this God is a jealous God. He says, I want you to love me. Cause when you love me, you're going to find life. Put me above everything else in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. So I'm going to care for you. They became satisfied. And what we generally do when we get cared for is we start to think, wow, I'm pretty cool. When they're satisfied, they became proud. Then they, what? Forgot me. So I will be like a lion to them. Like a leopard, I will lurk by the path. Like a bear robbed of her cubs, it's feminine trait. I will attack them and rip them open. Uh, There's a, whoa, (laughs) God said, I'm going to just rip them open. It's going to be a bloody mess. Like a lion, I will devour them. A wild animal will tear them apart. You are destroyed, Israel, because you are against me, against your, catch the word helper. Isn't that what God called Eve, a helper? Didn't God say of Eve, when you, when you get, when you walk alongside of Adam, your helper, he says, so I'm going to move from helper to your destroyer. But the cool thing I love is the fury. How many of you have ever heard this statement? I'm gonna put it up the, up on the screen here. How many of you ever heard this? Hell hath no fury like a what? How many of you can relate to that one? Some of you aren't, you aren't brave enough to put your hand up, right? Cause you don't want that fury when you get home, you're smart. You say, I got it. I had no way Adam. I'm not falling for that one. Women can unleash some fury. Like I have never seen. They can seem like an emotional hot mess. And you're like, what on earth is going on here? I mean, it's like, whoa, settle down. But it's a feminine trait that God wired in them. And it represents him. And it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And some of us men, we want to run away, get away from that mess. But it's a gorgeous thing. How many of you just celebrated the fury that you see in your wife? Have you ever done that? Thanks, honey, for getting mad. And when have we said that last? One of us are like, oh, get over No way. You got you to go see a counselor. You got problems. But God refers to Himself. It's a jealous love that He has. It is incredibly. And when, what does a jealous lover do? When someone steps in, isn't it normal for that, for the man then to just want to just go at it and say, listen, you will not violate the one that I love. And we get all worked up. And and so again, it's a very normal thing. So again, if you didn't see fury in your mom and she was just all passive and laid back and easy going, you know, it's probably left its mark in you. So look to God to see who he is in his fury and, and it helps balance out and understand a full picture of who God is. And again, if you see it in your, if you see it in the women around you, honor it and celebrate it. Just say, way to go. Final one I'll share. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This is Jesus. He's looking out at the nation, the nation of Israel in the city of Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, a very endearing term. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to feminine, feminine language here. How often I've longed to gather you, your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. Look, your house is left. Your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, "Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord." You know one of the cool feminine traits that represents who God is, a lot of us seeing our women, is the desire of, for connection and to stay close. You know, I see this one a lot in adult children. Now, you know, some, I hear parents parenting changes as the kids grow up. They move from elementary to that, you know, the adolescent years to then becoming adults and the parenting changes. But one of the things I hear from adult uh, women have adult children. What do you still love to do? Let's go on vacation together. Christmas is coming up. We got to all get together. You ever have that mind. You think mom, come on, man. I got kids. up, let's get together. Let's keep getting together. That's a feminine trait. Let's get together. And I remember my mom, when I was, <laughs> I had, I gave them, I gave them a run for their money. And when I was in high school, I mean, I was a, a difficult, hard, rebellious kid. Made all kinds of mistakes. And I remember those nights, a lot of them where my mom would say to me and my dad would say to me, you got to be home by midnight and two, three, 4. AM comes around and I come finally, you know, I kind of sneak in the house and I park the car far away as I could. So they wouldn't hear it. And I turned the corner into the kitchen and guess who's sitting there. Is it dad? Dad went to bed. Dad's like, I'll deal with him tomorrow. I ain't going to mess with this now. But why is mom there? Why is mom the one who can't sleep? It's because of the feminine trait that represents God. It's like, you know what? I don't know where my son is. And he could be out making a mess of his life and everyone else. And he's hurting. And I just want to pull him close. And I'd round that corner. It's the first thing she'd say. She never, I always remember this. She never, ever, now I had a lot of, I had consequences to deal with. But her first thing was always saying, I'm glad you're okay. Pull me close. It's a feminine trait. It's a beautiful thing. And when we don't have it in our lives, it leaves its mark. So again, if you haven't had it, look to God to be that for you. He wants to pull you close. He's that person for you. And if you see it in the moms and the women around you, just send them a note of encouragement. Say, way to go. That's awesome. Keep wanting to pull your family close. See women. This is what we started with. Women play a role that men cannot in representing God to their children in the world. Women, you do things that men cannot. You are hugely valuable. One of my great fears in our culture today is we have messed the gender role thing all up. I mean, it is a mess. I am so glad for the women's live movement. I am so glad women have the freedom and the rights that they do today. And they're out from underneath the oppression that they lived under for years. I am so glad of that. I celebrate that. But I'm afraid that today in trying to push women out into the role of a man, we've hurt the woman. And when we can just stop and say, you're a beautiful creation, you're creating the image of God and you're created as a female and let your feminine traits flourish and be who God's wired you to be. They've life and as men be who God's wired them to be. And as we come together in a thing called marriage and we join as one flesh, it gives an accurate representation of this is who God is. But without women being women, we don't understand who God is. So I want to end with a couple challenges. The first is a comfort. I've said a lot throughout this. Hopefully you've heard it. Those of you who have had a horrible mom. Let God be your mother. Look to him. Say, thank you, God. I'd encourage you maybe to, here's a practical way to do this. If you've had a horrible mom and there's still stuff lodged inside of you, one of the things that I, as I've been to different counselors, one of the things I've learned is to do what they call, write the letter that you never send. Get it out. Just write the letter. What you'd really love to tell your mom. Mom, you hurt me. You abandoned me. You abused me. You neglected me. You weren't there for me. Just write it, get it out of you in the presence of God saying, God, you're my mother. You're my perfect mother. Same as you are my perfect father. And then don't send it to him. <laughs> it's a mistake I've seen made at times stick it in a drawer, burn it, and then constantly walk in the presence of the gospel of Jesus, which is, you know what, God, you're my perfect father. You're my perfect mother in Jesus, because you, if you're, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you're a child of his and you can call him daddy. And can say, God, thank you. So again, find comfort in him. Let me give a couple challenges then to the men in the room. Men, talking to myself too. I'm a man. I think most days I'm a man. I'm a man. Men, here's what I'd say. Live with the women in your life as though they're an image bearer of God. Live with the women in your life as though you walk with them. You're looking at God himself because they bear his image. Realize that when I lust after a woman, when you lust after a woman, you are lusting after and injuring and damaging the image of God. Get rid of your porn, guys. Get rid of your porn. I'm amazed at the number of men that struggle with this. I get it. I understand it. I get in our culture. I hear it all the time. But when you do that, you are injuring the image of God. Let's get rid of it. All I'd say is this too. Challenge your hearts. Some of us, I think, in this room need to repent of a male chauvinistic world that we've lived in and say, you know what? I need to honor my wife. I need to honor the women in my life. I need to treat them as not someone to be used to get what I want or be used for my pleasure or to be stepped on, but to be walked alongside of as a sister and an equal before Jesus. You're not better than them. We're simply different. A big deal. We're different. We occupy different roles. The man is called to lead. That doesn't mean he's better. It means he's different. The other thing I'd say is get rid of the music that defames women. Turn off the TV shows that parade women around like some kind of object of our, our desires. It does not do anything to honor the women in your life. or Certainly not the women on the screen or that you're listening to in your MP3 player. The other thing I'd say is care for single moms, care for single moms. This church does, I think this pretty well, I love getting, I'll have single moms come to me at times and say, Hey, I got a bunch of gift cards in my mailbox. We have these church mailboxes or someone. And I just did it. And I'm like, I don't know who it came from. We have a number of people who, who often come to me or our care team. We've got a great care team here and say, who are the single moms in the church? And so we'll give them a list. Because what they're really, I think, asking, I don't know what they do with that list. I, I trust them. They're, they're people that come to us. They're great people. And I think what they're doing is a lot of times saying, we want to care for these moms. We want to serve them. We want to walk along. So care for single moms. Who cares how they've become single moms? It's been divorce or death. It doesn't matter. Walk with them. Because they're missing Then their children are missing a picture of who God is in that oneness and they hurt and they grieve and they, they struggle to present God to their kids and, and they, and it's, they worn out and they're tired. So care for single moms really well. And I think you guys do that well and you get that. And the final challenge I give is to husbands. This is going to be a hard one guys. Live as one with your wife. Do you realize that before some of us as husbands, well, the wife is to submit to me because I'm the great and mighty man. Do you know what the Bible says before you are, your wife is called to submit to you? Do you know what it actually says it tells you to submit to her? It says, submit to one another. Men live with your wives as though they're equal. Lead them with grace and dignity and respect and mercy and honor. I mean, you're called to submit to her the same as she is to you. Celebrate the differences, celebrate them. Just say, you know what, honey, I'm not a woman and I'm glad I'm not, but you know what, I'm glad that you are. And when you see it, say, way to go. I would love to see that fury come out of you. I love to see you want to pull those kids close. I love, I love that. You're a compassionate, comforting person. I mean, just celebrate and celebrate the difference. And, and men, sometimes we push back on those differences, but I learned to celebrate it. I, I'll end with this. I'm a, I've shared this before. I'm a bit of what I call a leadership hack. I love leadership. I think God's wired me in it, but I just love to take in everything I can. And I like to read Harvard. It um, doesn't make me smart. Trust me, I'm not quite the opposite, actually. But I love to read Harvard, the, the um, Harvard review that comes out. Um, and this past year, the, one of their articles, they had a story about leadership in reference to leadership IQ. And they were looking at teams in companies, executive teams, where it was all men versus executive teams that were men and women versus executive teams that were generally all female. And what they found was, and this study has been borne up, sh- shared multiple times unvalidated. validated, but what they found is the teams that are men and women together are smarter and they perform better. Over and over and over this study shows this versus teams that are all male have a lower IQ in leadership. They're not as smart. So I bring that to the home and I say, well, what does that mean for the home? Here's what I think it means for the home. Though I'm called to lead in the home. If I don't lead as an equal with my wife, caring for her, serving her, loving her, honoring her with great dignity and respect, submitting to her as well, I'm going to have a dumb home. And guys, you know what? You don't want to be dumb, right? None of us want to be dumb. You want to be smart. You want to lead well. And as you lead well and you come together and become one flesh, you end up then representing to your kids in the world, here's a picture of who God is. And that's how he designed evangelism, first and foremost, to happen. Let me pray for us. I want to watch a video. Just encourage the moms uh, as we, again, thank you, moms, for, for all that you do. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for this picture of God in the Bible uh, that we see of you, where you carry some feminine traits. Uh, Something I think we forget sometimes. and, And God, thank you. Thank you that you can mother me the same as you father me. You're a perfect, mighty, huge, amazing God. God, I just pray for the women here in the room. I pray that they can truly, I pray that they're living in situations where they can really spread their wings and be women. And that they're celebrated for that. Help us as men to, to honor and, and celebrate and with great dignity and respect, treat women as, as though they're a beautiful creation, an image bearer. your most beautiful of all creation. God, I pray for people here. pray for the moms. I pray that they leave encouraged and strengthened and saying, you know what, I make a difference. I can represent God to my kids. God, I gotta pray for those that are here that are hurting and struggle because of a loss of a mom. God, I help them to find that picture of a perfect mom in you. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you so much for the grace and the mercy that has been stowed upon us so that any of us in this room who call in the name of Jesus, who trust him, lean into him, confessing that I'm a sinner and I can't do life without Jesus. You bring us to yourself and call us, we can call you daddy. You can call us son and daughter. Cool, cool truth, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.